Fantasy Football Sensei Podcast with your host, Trevor Scott. Welcome back. Excited to break down everything that happened last week and preview everything going into the next week. So without further ado, let's jump into the intro. We'll be starting off with some news, going to Roster Idiots, which is a new segment this week that breaks down moves that we all did or didn't make, leaving guys out on your bench, for example. Um, go into the recaps from week 11, get a standings breakdown, previews for week 12, and then have a closing. First bit of news, the trade deadline is this week, so make sure you get all your trades in. I already saw Jordan and Hamza throw out that they need quarterbacks, so any other moves that you guys need to make or want to make this week um, or for the rest of the year, make sure you get those in before the trade deadline, which is this Sunday. Also, there's Thanksgiving football this week, which is exciting, except for the game quality. Uh, but the first game on Thursday starts at 9.30 a.m. So make sure, uh, 9.30 a.m., and that's Pacific time. So make sure that you get your lineup set on Wednesday night. Make sure you're ready to go. Um, there won't be any, um, any help available, right? We're letting it ride. So make sure you get your lineup set on Wednesday night. Um, and then just a, a question to throw out to the, to the league in general. Do you guys like this format or should I start making it more just generic football, you know, just not necessarily as much about the league and more about the games and the players and, and that sort of format, just so it, maybe it could also reach out to more, uh, more people just outside of our league. So let me know what you guys think. So breaking down my studs and duds from last week, I went 15 and 5. Um, you guys can feel free to check my record of myself. Um, but that's a pretty good start for my first time doing it, I think. Um, my biggest W's from this were were uh, um, Pittman calling a dud on him. He only scored 3.3 points. That was a tough game for him. Only 20 pass attempts for Carson Wentz. They were way up the whole game. Obviously, Jonathan Taylor went off, so there were more factors going into that. And then also Christian Kirk being a dud was another big one for me. 3.5 points, no Kyler, no hop, just kind of a weird game, really low scoring. My biggest L's were BMW, calling him a dud. He ended up with 18.2 points. There was that blown coverage on that 50-plus yard touchdown um, that ended up fueling a lot of his day. So that, uh, that was great for the Chargers and great for BMW, but bad for my call. Another one that wasn't so great for me was I called a, a stud for Tannehill, and he had 9.2 points. Uh, if you would have told me before the week that he was going to throw 52 passes, I would have been even more confident in calling him a stud. Uh, but unfortunately, lost A.J. Brown, lost Marcus Johnson, both to injuries throughout the game, threw four interceptions, so lots of yards, but just wasn't able to finish off any drives. Pretty uh, pretty bad performance there from Tannehill. And uh, taking a loss to Houston can't be, can't be feeling good for them today. And then a couple close calls just to review. James Robinson had 10 points but fell into the end zone at the end of the game. So I took a W for calling him a dud there. Fournette had 10 points and I called him a stud. Um, he didn't take, he didn't get into the end zone, still got 10 points, but taking an L there because that's not really a stud performance. Um, Deontay is somebody that I called when I thought Mason Rudolph was going to be the quarterback. Big Ben ended up being the quarterback. And Deontay ended up with a huge game. So um, I'll definitely take the L on calling Deontay a dud. Um, Cooper was out with COVID, and I called him a dud. So I guess that's technically a win. And T.Y. Hilton went from being a dud to being out of Matt's starting lineup to being cut. So I think uh, it's pretty good, pretty good evaluation for a dud there, especially since he only had three points. 
So reviewing some of the, the injuries from the weekend real quick. Before Sunday, we had Khalil Mack, who opted for foot surgery and is out for the season. So that's a that's a knock against the Bears defense. Murray and Hopkins, both heading into the bye week, decided better for long term. If they don't play, they ended up getting the win anyway. So hopefully we'll have them both back in week 13. Um, Allen Robinson was out with a hamstring, and the Bears do play on Thursday. So we'll see if he's able to get right before the Thanksgiving uh, Thanksgiving Day game. AB still out with his ankle injury, called out early in the week, uh, not really any threat to play this past week, so we'll continue to watch him, but I don't anticipate him playing this week either. Sterling Shepard also has a hamstring injury, didn't look like he was in good shape. Um, he did get called out right before the game, so he his designation rolled all the way up to the game, but nobody really expected him to play, um, so we'll see. Jason Garrett just got fired, which is probably going to be a good thing for the offense moving forward. So we'll see if he can get healthy and continue to be the target hog that he's been in the offense so far this season. And then Cordero Patterson, we know he didn't end up playing, but we expect him back this week. On Sunday, we had a lot of lot of things happen. Lamar was out sick with whatever his intestinal thing is going on. I don't know what's going on with him. Hopefully, he's right and ready to go next week. Marquise Brown, same thing, same offense. He was out with a thigh injury, and I think he also got sick. So hopefully, they're uh, both back together on the field this coming week. Baker had like a shoulder, knee, foot injury. He's really banged up. They He did not look good, but they're going to continue to play him as long as he's physically cleared to do so. So he's expected to play in week 12 as of right now, but we'll see moving forward past that if they end up deciding to shut him down and roll with Case Keenum. A.J. Brown was in and out of the game. He had a hand injury early and then caught some passes, got back in there, and then had a chest injury and uh, never came back after that one. Uh, The x-rays after the game were clean, and so as of right now, he is expected to play, but he is going to probably carry a questionable designation all week. With Zeke, he was in and out of the game after he rolled his ankle. It was didn't look like a serious injury, and he was still able to play, but only only nine carries and didn't look as explosive as normal. So we'll see. Keep an eye on Zeke. Um, they do play on Thursday, so I expect him to play, but maybe Tony Pollard is an even better play this week than normal. Michael Carter is expected to be out two to three weeks with a lower ankle sprain. Um, we'll see what Ty Johnson or Tevin Coleman are able to do. Um, if much, um, and also Zach Wilson might be back this week. So the running back position might be seeing less targets in the passing game anyways, as it is. Justin Fields bruised his ribs in the game this week. Uh, he did get more testing and he has been ruled out for Thursday. So Andy Dalton is going to start for the bears on Thanksgiving. CD lamb suffered a concussion and is in the protocol. They are hopeful for him to be able to clear by Thursday, apparently overnight into Monday morning. He had a good day and is feeling a lot better than he was on Sunday. So fingers crossed that CD is able to get back out there for this Dallas offense. If not, we should be seeing a lot of Michael Gallup, Dalton Schultz and Cedric Wilson. So we'll see on, uh, on what CD's, Status is going to be, and Dallas could be down quite a few players in this matchup this week uh, on Thanksgiving Day. Najee took a big hit to the chin. He was able to come back in. He was pushing the trainer down. He was pleading his case to try and get back in the game earlier, but they did put him all the way through the concussion protocol, and he did eventually make it back into the game. So I anticipate he's going to be fine moving forward, but just something to keep an eye on. And final injury was Jamal Agnew. He did suffer a season-ending injury and will no longer be a factor this season for the Jacksonville Jaguars.
Also, not injury news, but Philip Lindsay got cut this morning by the Houston Texans. So I expect to have him settle on another team here before the end of the season. And maybe with Michael Carter going down, the Jets could be a good destination for him to fill a void there for a couple weeks in the meantime. And then adding a new segment here, boom of the week and bust of the week. So my criteria for this is going to be the biggest impact in a win for the biggest boom of the week and the biggest impact in a loss for the bust of the week. So my boom of the week was pretty easy this week. Jonathan Taylor, 51.9 points, got Hamzo win by only 16 points, which is just what a week. I don't think we have any debate as of right now, if this continues, he's going to be the first overall pick in most leagues next year. And he has just been absolutely awesome. The bust of the week comes as Patrick Mahomes, 7.5 points and it kind of sunk Matt's chances of getting back into it. Um, he Matt ended up losing by around 20 points and Mahomes was coming off a 36 point performance and only puts up 7.5, which was super disappointing. So jumping into the next segment here, roster idiots. So I'm going to go over some of the roster decisions that the some of the some of us made in the league this week. Um, some guys that were out on benches or guys on IR that are out for the season, that type of stuff. So well, let's get into it. So first one to look at was Jared. He left a healthy Big Ben in his IR spot, didn't get him activated, um, and rolled with an open bench spot. So didn't even really take advantage of leaving Big Ben in his IR. And he also owns three DSTs, so, you know, whatever works. Craig left Cordero Patterson on his bench when he was out, um, was trying to put him into iHeart later in the week, and that didn't really work out because he had already played. Um, he also was rolling with two DSTs and played the wrong one, so I thought that that was, uh, that was entertaining to watch. He still scored 202 points, so, you know, whatever. It didn't really matter. And then I've been holding Fitzmagic on IR despite him likely being out for the season. He is out for the season. I don't know. We haven't really got clear messaging on that. And I have Taylor Heineke, so I guess it's fine that I hold him, but it's still funny to hold somebody who's out for the year. Gavin had Elijah Mitchell, who was out, didn't get him into IR, and was holding his kicker on by. He was lamenting the whole time, oh, but he's good. He's been consistent, but he's still a kicker. Come on, two kickers on your roster. Unacceptable. Jordan has Darnold, who's on IR and has been since before week 10, still on his bench. Cooper was out with COVID, didn't make it into his IR spot. Marquise Brown was out, didn't make it into his IR spot. So lots of potential opportunity for him to have made some waiver claims. Um, and he still is holding Michael Thomas and Robert Tunyon, who are both out for the season on IR. So we'll see if we get, get that bench cleaned up a little bit this week. And he's playing me too. So hopefully, let's, let's wait until next week, Jordan. Stevie Moe has Woods and Carson still on his IR, even though those guys are both out for the year. Um, he has the spots, so maybe just hold it so when he looks back at his team in the offseason, he can say, oh, I had a bunch of hurt guys too, you know, something like that. His team is already indicative of being injured, so, you know, we'll see what he does. And then Tyler Lamar Jackson was out, didn't get him into IR, left him on his bench, and he's holding Blankenship on his IR. I don't know if that's worse than Gavin holding a kicker through the bye week, but that's pretty funny. All right, and let's move into the recaps now for week 11. First matchup we're going to look at is Matt versus Jordan. This was the highly anticipated matchup, was very close all the way through the end of the second wave of games, but Jordan was able to ultimately pull this out. Um, the big big players for Jordan was Aaron Rodgers, man. What a what a performance. 
um, despite the toe injury, putting up 33 and a half points on 385 passing yards. Just an awesome performance. Wasn't able to get the win, though, as Kirk Cousins and the Vikings were able to match him and ultimately pull out the win. But great fantasy day from Aaron Rodgers. Nick Chubb and James Conner were also both studs. Great running backs. Great to get Nick Chubb back. He looked awesome. Um, and he also got a good game from Waller, finally. I don't I don't know if they heard me complaining about his lack of usage last week, but finally, good good week for him. Over 100 yards, plenty of points from Waller to, to help drive Jordan uh, to get a W here. Um, his receivers did struggle, so he was able to win despite that. 12.3 points between all three of his receivers. Um, and Marcus Johnson got hurt, so he ultimately had zero, which was unfortunate. But Jordan doesn't really have to worry about receivers at this point as he's got Cup, Amari, and Marquise Brown all coming back. Cup and Marquise should be back this week and Amari the following week. For uh, for Matt, Mahomes was obviously a disappointment. We discussed that one earlier. Jeff Wilson was also somebody that should have had a better game than he did. He got completely missed by Jimmy G on on an end zone throw. I mean, he was wide open all by himself and Jimmy G overthrew him. So that was a, that was a bummer to see. Um, but a positive for Matt, Devonte Adams did have a huge game. So that has to be encouraging for him moving forward. Hopefully he can win this week, get back into playoff contention, or if not, Adams will definitely help him out in the soccer bowl. Next matchup is Jared and Tyler. This ended up being a get right game for Jared. So the, our predictions last week were were very good. I don't know if it was the extra chatter or the podcast or what got Jared more engaged, but he finally fielded a full lineup, which was awesome to see. No Kyler, who was out again this week in his lineup. Um, and he had Swift, BMW, and Thielen all lead the way with monster games. All of them had over 15 points. Big Ben was on his bench who went off. It was his highest scoring quarterback, um, or it was actually in his IR, but unfortunately he didn't have him in his lineup. Um, I think we do have to start worrying about Wilson or and or DK Metcalf. Um, two games now since Wilson's been back, he's been bad. Metcalf has been bad. So I'm not entirely sure what to think moving forward, but they do get Washington this week. So we'll talk about that later in the, re- uh, in the previews for week 12. Um, and five more receptions for Josh Jacobs has to be very encouraging for Jared too. It looks like he has that role. That's back-to-back games now with five receptions. So... Hopefully he can become a little bit more explosive with those receptions because his yardage total is still very, very low in the receiving game for how many receptions he's been getting. So hopefully we see some more explosive plays in the passing game and maybe even a touchdown or two here moving forward. For Tyler, he had two big booms this week, Darnell Mooney and his kicker, both over 20 points. Um, But there just wasn't much firepower left past that. Zeke was in and out as we talked about earlier. Hawkinson was decent, didn't goose this week, so that was good. He had six catches over 50 yards. And so, unfortunately, this loss makes Tyler's magic number down to one. So if he either loses or one of the teams that are currently in the playoffs, um, specifically Gavin, who had five and six win, um, that's going to ultimately eliminate Tyler from playoff contention. The third matchup was Gavin and Hamza. This was ended up being the heavyweight matchup of the week, 156 to 140 in favor of Hamza. Uh, Hamza extending his winning streak to 10, which was very impressive to see. I don't think anybody's had a longer winning streak in the history of our league. So that's something that we might need to start 
keeping track of moving forward if anybody's able to beat this streak, if and when it does ultimately end for Hamza. The matchup started off hot for Hamza on Thursday night with that 27-point performance from the Pats' defense. Um, so, of course, Hamza gets that in a week where he definitely needed it in order to beat Gavin. And then, obviously, just uh, Jonathan Taylor with 51.9 points. Just two unbelievable performances for Hamza. And um, he got lots of help in the late game, even, too, with Gaskin getting into the end zone and really running his total up. Uh, ultimately finishing with 17 and Mark Ingram at finishing with 12 after he looked like he was going to lose a little work to Tony Jones. So those two ended up being good for Hamza as well this week on Gavin's side of the matchup. He finally had big weeks for his receivers. I mean, it's been a tough spot for him all year, but all of them went off this week. 25 from Elijah Moore, 18 from Ayuk, 16 and a half from Waddle and 13 and a half from DJ Moore. Gavin can't be complaining about that anymore. He has to be stoked moving forward. I know it's going to be, we'll, we'll talk about his record and his situation a little bit later, but I, I, that has to be super encouraging for him to see his receivers pulling through. Uh, Mixon, obviously with a huge game, 123 yards and two touchdowns, no receptions, no targets, which was interesting to see. Maybe just because it was a low scoring game, they were playing keep away, just didn't have to use him. Um, in that way, but hopefully we get back to seeing him used in the passing game. Um, and this matchup ultimately came down to Gavin's quarterbacks. Both of them played in the late window, and he only got 11 points combined from Dak Prescott and Joe Burrow. If he just gets 30 from those two, 15 each was a still disappointing weeks. He would have won. So just hopefully got to hope those guys can bounce back. And I think ultimately Gavin with the second most points in the league right now is going to end up being okay, even despite the loss. Second to last matchup here we'll talk about was the one between Mike and myself. Um, another big win for me as I continue to push towards the playoff uh, picture here. I am now in fifth. We'll talk about that later and was able to tie Mike in record with this win. Uh, Mike is still ahead of me in points, so he'll show up ahead of me in the standings, but um, you know we're pretty close together now at this point. Um, for Mike, he didn't really have anybody boom this week. That was his biggest issue. He had lots of solid performances, but just nothing that Nobody that came through to put him over the top. A.J. Dillon had 12 points, which again seems like a solid week, but that had to be disappointing with no A.J. Dillon and the Packers putting up 31 points. And there was a lot of catches for him, just not a ton of rushing yards. And so he ended up with a little bit of a disappointment there. And then fingers crossed for Aaron Jones in uh, week 12. Uh, but with a week 13 bye coming, the Packers could elect to just hold him out. And get him all the way right, which is probably the right thing to do. So um, maybe another RB1 week from A.J. Dillon coming up here. On my end of the matchup, the QBs definitely carried me this week. 30 from Hertz and 25 from Cousins was huge. Um, it also felt like Dalvin Cook was a little bit disappointing, but I ended up looking at the end and he still had 21 points. Um, not, not over 100 yards, but he did score and did have a, a few receptions. So still waiting on that huge boom week, but... A very, very solid performance from Dalvin. Um, A.J. Brown and C.D. Lamb combined for 10.2 points. Uh, they did both get injured in the game, but still, even before they went out, they weren't playing very well. So um, hopefully they're both able to return from their injuries and improve their performance here moving forward. And then Kyle Pitts and David Montgomery 
are starting to worry me quite a bit. I mean, four and seven points this week traded for both of them from Craig. And so far they have both been very disappointing. And as we all know, Atlanta's offense has looked horrible. So if they don't get right, Kyle Pitts is going to be somebody who might not even necessarily be startable moving forward. And finally, we have Craig versus Stevie Moe. There wasn't a ton to talk about in this matchup as Craig almost doubled Stevie Moe's score. Um, for, C- for Stevie Moe, Clyde, Clyde edwards Elair took back the starting job over uh, Williams this week. So he, despite being in Stevie Moe's starting lineup, he just didn't have that good of a game. And ultimately, Stevie Moe with three tight ends left Zach Ertz on his bench with 24.8 points. What a performance. Eight catches for 88 yards and two touchdowns from Zach Ertz. Um, That was unbelievable. I didn't see it coming. I don't know if anybody else even saw that coming, but maybe he gets into Stevie Moe's lineup here moving forward. For Craig, the highest total from anybody this year, first to crack 200, and I think that's the highest that we've ever seen. So congrats, Craig, on the massive week. The Charger stack really drove this home for him. 72 points from Herbert and Eckler. Unbelievable performance. So glad the Chargers won. Um, And then he also had 33 from Justin Jefferson and 17 from his kicker, Folk. So just what an overall great performance from Craig's team in Week 11. All right, now we're going to move into the standings update. So there is some added clarity this week. Um, Hamza clinched a bye week and is one game away from clinching the number one seed. He could lose out and Jared could win out and they would have the same record. So then Jared could potentially pass him in points if something like that were to happen. But um, for now, Hamza is definitely in the driver's seat looking to secure the one seed this week. Now, Jared with the big win and Mike's loss puts him up in second place and in the position for the bye week um, with a record of seven and four. He's alone at that record of seven and four. I mean, he did put up a respectable total this week in terms of points four. So he is going to be able to hold ground uh, in terms of points scored, but is still behind Craig, Mike, me, and Gavin. So, uh, and Jordan in points actually. So he's got some uphill, or he's got an uphill battle to go for. Remember last week too, when I said that Craig was kind of a long shot for the two seed. Um, I guess his guys took it personally, or he took it personally because he comes in big win, drops two oh two to get him up into the third seed now. Top team in overall points. And just has to overcome a one-game difference on Jared in order to uh, get into that two-seed. So there are a couple people below him that do still have a chance to reclaim in total points. But if Craig is able to continue the momentum here, he could be looking at a playoff bye week. Mike fell out of the number two spot and falling two spots to four after his loss to me. And dropped... From the most points in the league down to third most in the league, um, passed by Gavin, who's only a couple points ahead of him, and Craig, who's roughly 30 to 40 points ahead of him. Um, At six and five, and more points than Jordan, who is the next closest to jump into the playoff picture, it does seem that he should be able to continue to hang on to a playoff spot. Just can't drop two games to Jordan over the next three weeks. So after my win, I'm up from sixth to fifth and closing in on Mike in total points. I'm about five or six points behind Mike now, I believe. And in a similar situation too, at six and five, I would need to lose two games on Jordan in order to fall out of the playoffs and for Jordan to come in and pass me there. So we'll see how that ends up shaking out. But I have my eyes set on hopefully that two seed because we are all six and five here. I am the lowest points of those three teams, but still 
have that outside chance that I was talking about with Craig last week. So if I have a big point total at any point, hopefully I can push for that spot. In the sixth seed is Gavin now in the slide for his team kind of continues. He's having a really bizarre season, honestly. He started 0-2 and in last place. Then he rips off four straight wins to get to 4-2. and And then he's in second place. And then now he's on a 1-4 and slide, pushing him to 5-6 and down into sixth place. All while having the second most points in the league. So he's still putting up good point totals, just getting really unlucky with his record and has gotten hot and cold and hot and cold. And so he's still hanging on to a playoff spot, still anticipate that he should be able to get some wins coming up here in the next couple of weeks. And I guarantee that none, none of us that are above him want to see him in the first round of the playoffs. Coming in, in the seventh seed is Jordan with that big win. He gets to five and six, same record as Gavin. Um, the negative is that the team that was five and five was Gavin, who has the most points of all of us. Um, so Jordan is going to need to overcome 65 points in order to pass Gavin or just pass him in record. Um, so that's his options. Or as mentioned before, he can pick up two games on either Craig, Mike, or myself. Coming in eighth now is Matt after a back-breaking loss to Jordan. Um, our reigning league champ is looking like a long shot to make the playoffs now at four and seven. Over the next three weeks, if he does get hot, gets three straight wins, there is definitely still a chance he can make it, but he definitely needs to start that off hot in week 12. And then Stevie Moe and Tyler both dropped their games this week. They're both three and eight and are effectively out of playoff contention. They can still potentially get there if they get three straight wins, but they are probably both starting to gear up for their week 15 matchups within the SACO. So whoever ends up in the seven and eight seeds will play those two teams um, if they do stick down there at the bottom of the standings. And so as a reminder, if you win in the SACO Bowl, that ends your season and it ends it on a high note because you don't come in last. So um, these guys are getting ready for those two weeks. And just as a reminder, it is week 15 and week 16. So the first two weeks of the playoffs will be the Sacco Bowl. And the only game that will go in week 17 is the league championship. All right, we're almost to the end here. Last segment is the week 12 previews. We're going to start it off by talking about Stevie Moe and Jared. It's another great matchup for Jared after getting Tyler last week, as all of us below Jared are trying to run him down for the two seed. So this does have big playoff implications. For Stevie Moe, he's going to get to roll Pollard out there again against Jared, who just cut him a couple weeks back. So that's going to be interesting to see how he ends up playing. Um, with a banged-up Cowboys offense, you have to think that Pollard's going to get a lot of opportunities, a lot of playing time, and the hope is that he'll be in a great spot to succeed. Um, Matt Ryan, I know Stevie most sick of him, but he does get the Jaguars this week, so the Jags have been a sneaky good defense, but we might get to see a resurgent performance from Ryan here against a team that isn't as good as the ones he's faced the last couple weeks. Melvin Gordon is also back off by, so that has to be a welcome sight. He's been awesome. Lots of touchdowns, lots of yards, lots of touches. I know Javante Williams is also there, but it hasn't really mattered that much. Both of them have been very productive. Both of them have been very involved, and I anticipate that to continue moving forward. Stevie Moe's start-sits questions are going to be what to do at his wide receiver three and at his tight end position. Um, will it be Bateman at his wide receiver, three, wide receiver three, or will he look to the waiver wire to potentially fill that spot? And the difference between Pat Firemuth or Dallas Goddard, I'm sure, is something that he's going to be struggling with this week. 
For Jared, he doesn't have a ton of tough decisions this week like he did last week with Edmonds out, Carter out, both with injury, Kyler on bye. There just aren't that many roster decisions. Wilson and Metcalf get Washington this week, so I mentioned that earlier. If they're able to get right this week, it's going to be an awesome boom week for Jared. If not, we got to really start thinking about whether or not these two are ever going to get back on track for the rest of the season. He has Prater on by, so that is something that he's going to have to fix, get a new kicker. And I anticipate that he rolls with Gesicki over Fant, which is the only real question with his roster this week. Second matchup, and what I'm anticipating is going to be the matchup of the week, the heavyweight matchup, whatever you want to call it, Craig versus Gavin. This is super important because both of these teams need this win for different reasons. Craig has the opportunity to take command of the two seed or just hold serve with Jared in terms of not dropping a game to him with Jared having an easier matchup. Gavin is hanging on to the sixth seed and needs to win in order to continue to secure his playoff spot. So this is a massive, massive game in terms of playoffs for uh, between Craig and Gavin. For Craig, he's got Tyreek Hill on bye, and Patterson is still very questionable with his ankle injury, so we'll see how those two players shake out. Coming off a 202-point performance, he just needs to keep the momentum. Cooks will slot in for Tyreek. And we'll see what ends up happening with the rest of his roster. I did notice that I, I think Patterson lost his wide receiver eligibility. That doesn't really matter for Craig, thankfully. But I think that seems weird to remove an eligibility like that after he's held it almost all year. So breaking down the specific start sits, if Patterson does play, um, he's going to have to sit one of Cooks, Patterson, Lockett, or Gibson. So we'll see which one he ends up deciding to sit. He sat Cooks last week, so maybe he ends up going back to that um, and sticking with Gibson, Patterson, and Lockett. Um, and then at tight end, he has Dalton Schultz and Dawson Knox. And with all the injuries in Dallas, you have to think Schultz is primed for a good game on Thursday. But then Dawson Knox also had 10 targets and six catches for 80 yards this week. So he's got a couple of good options at tight end. For Gavin, he rolls in with no buys. And he should be getting Elijah Mitchell and Kareem Hunt back this week. Um, Elijah Moore was awesome, and he has been awesome lately. So we got to hope for that momentum. I'm anticipating Gavin's going to continue to start him. Um, the biggest question mark with him is going to be if Zach Wilson takes over again at quarterback because all the other Jets quarterbacks have just looked so much better than Zach Wilson did earlier in the season. So we don't know if Zach Wilson's gotten healthier or gotten better, and it's helped him to sit for a few weeks. Uh, but we'll have to keep an eye on that in New York moving forward. Getting into Gavin's start-sits questions, one of Ayuk, Odell, and Elijah Moore will fill his wide receiver three spot. And then two of James Robinson, Elijah Mitchell, and Kareem Hunt will play in his running back two and his flex. So that means he's going to have a ton of potential upside on his bench with you know potentially Ayuk, Odell, and Kareem Hunt all sitting this week for him. Third matchup we'll get into is Hamza and Tyler. Um, this one can probably go down as the least impactful that we've seen this year and that we probably will see this year um, as Hamza's locked into the one seed and Tyler's pretty locked into the Sacco at this point. Um, so this could be an excellent time for Tyler's team to go off and break that 10-game win streak uh, that, that Hamza's currently riding. Um, unfortunately, he's got CEH on by, but he does have Cortland Sutton coming back. Sutton did just sign that massive contract too, so maybe that had been distracting him a little bit, and he can get back to focusing on uh, making big plays on the field again. 
Um, Lamar and Zeke should both be good to go after Lamar out with sickness, obviously, and then Zeke in and out with an ankle injury. So hopefully Tyler will be rolling at full strength down just CEH. His start-sit decisions are going to be in a super flex between Tannehill and Daniel Jones. Both played so poorly this week, but uh, he has to be at least a little worried about Tannehill versus the Texans, um, which is where, uh, or that performance anyways, which is where I would anticipate he goes is back to Tannehill. Singletary's also been pretty bad, and Matt Breida has been more and more and more involved. So maybe he goes to the waiver wire for a second running back this week. For Hamza, we just saw Terry McLaurin go off last week, and now he gets Seattle this week, so he might just be getting hot right at the right time. Um, so keep an eye on on Scary Terry moving forward here for the rest of the season. Um, Hamza's not battling any bye weeks, and he does get Bridgewater back this week. Um, and I would anticipate that Kamara is going to come back. I know I've been saying that, but uh, I do think that this is the week he's back. Um, Antonio Brown, I don't think he's going to be back. I really just don't see him getting back on the field after not being able to practice much. He did start running, but in terms of being integrated into the game plan and getting full practices in, I think he's still quite a ways off. So for Hamza's start-sit decisions, he's going to have one of Kamara or Ingram fill that RB2 spot. So that just leaves the question of flex for him between Gaskin versus Carolina, Harris versus Tennessee, Stevenson also versus Tennessee, and Collins versus Washington. Um, there, there isn't a ton of upside with any of these guys, so I just anticipate that he's going to roll with Gaskin, who I think has the most upside, has been playing the best, and is coming off the best game. Fourth game we're going to look at is Mike versus Matt, and this is definitely a pivotal game for Matt's playoff chances. If he drops this game, he is likely to just be in the sack bowl with Tyler and Stevie Moe. We'll break that down next week, uh, depending on what happens. For Matt, Mahomes, Hardman, and Butker are all on bye, which isn't ideal, but he does get Stafford, Judy, and the Rams defense back off of bye, so hopefully that is able to kind of offset the hit he's taking out of his lineup, losing Mahomes. Um, that also leaves Matt with Baker in his super flex again, so hopefully he's healthy enough to give it a go. Um, he also might want to jump in with Hamza and Jordan on trying to get another quarterback. With Elijah Mitchell expected back, Jeff Wilson is likely going to be out of his starting lineup as well. So look out for that and what he decides to do in his running back spot. So the biggest start-sit question he has in his, is in his flex spot, um, with his only options really being Gronk and Hunter Henry, unless he goes to the waiver wire for a running back or a receiver. Um, with, Ro with Gronk having just had a great game and having been in his flex spot this week, I think that's probably where Matt is going to end up sticking. For Mike, he's got Kelsey on by, but then Henderson coming back from by, which is good for him to see. Um, and Allen Robinson might be back from injury this week, but I don't anticipate with a Thursday game him being able to get healthy enough in order to give it a go. Uh, Mike currently doesn't have another tight end on his team, so a waiver wire ad's likely coming for him this week. For his start-sit decisions, one of these three players he's going to have to sit between Claypool, Corey Davis, and Jarvis Landry. I do think it's a tough call, and Landry did score a rushing touchdown last week, but I think that's probably who I would personally sit. You guys know me, just for whatever reason, I just can't get on board with Jarvis Landry. He just has such a low floor every week, in my opinion. And the final matchup is me versus Jordan. This is also a big one for playoff positioning. Jordan being the seven seed and me being the five seed. So he has a chance to directly help himself by getting a win against me and tying us in record. 
For Jordan, he has James Conner and A.J. Green on by, but he does get Cooper Cup back and likely Marquise Brown. So that's a big boost for his wide receiver core. Amari Cooper is still likely to miss the Thanksgiving Day game being on the COVID list. So unfortunately, he won't get his full receivers back, but two of the three is still a lot better for his team. I do think that Cup is in also a smash spot against Green Bay. Jefferson just went for eight catches, 166 yards, and two touchdowns. Um, So I think that Cup is just in a position where he could could really, really have an awesome game. Um, And then he does have Rodgers playing the Rams and Carr playing Dallas. So those are both pretty difficult matchups for quarterbacks. And hopefully he is able to get something out of both of them. But that is ultimately, I think, where the... game is going to be decided. And Carr and Waller play on Thursday, so he really has a chance to set the stage if both of those guys have good weeks this week. Flex is his only real question in terms of who he's going to start. So he's got Deontay Foreman or Marcus Johnson if he is healthy, um, or he could go to the waiver wire for somebody else. But it looks like as of right now, he's going to roll with Deontay Foreman. And then for my team, I have nobody on by this week. Injury questions about A.J. Brown and C.D. Lamb that we discussed earlier. Um, and then I have a counter to Carr and Waller on Thursday with C.D. Lamb, if, if he goes, and then David Montgomery on Thursday, both playing. Montgomery gets the Lions, so this trade hopefully is going to pay off for me this week. If he doesn't really smash this week and have a huge performance against the Lions, I just don't know really what to expect rest of season because – He does have a good schedule, but if he's not able to convert against the Lions, then I don't really have confidence he can convert against anybody. And then my biggest decision is in my super flex this week between Cousins versus the 49ers, Heineke versus Seattle, and Cam at Miami. So I have a week to make this decision, so we'll see which way I end up going. All right, and with that, that's it. Thank you guys for listening. I really appreciate it. I do want to give a special shout out to Paul Copperman for putting together the intro music and the outro music. So here we go. Mm-hmm.